When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, September 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers, thunderstorms likely today. The high 80 tonight overnight. Pop-up thunderstorms. Storms low 69, and then Tuesday, sun and clouds could see a stray shower or two, high 83. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 72 and cloudy in Southampton, out on Long Island, 69 and raining in Freehold down in New Jersey, and it is 71, we'll call it misty here in Midtown, so much to get to as we work our way up, 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Of course, it is September 11th, the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. I do what I've done almost every year since they've done the tribute in lights. Those are those beams of light that are at the footprint of where the Twin Towers stood on 9-11. They put those beams of light into the air. And so because of my hours, I'm up so early. I walk out my front door and I have this uh, great view of it from uh, Jersey City. And um, and I've done this, I don't know, maybe it's a decade. I don't know how long, however long those lights have been there. Uh, And I... Spend a moment or two, I mean, not more than five minutes, just sort of reflecting on that day by myself with nobody around in the park. And uh, I got to do that again this year as well. There was other people there, though. I was surprised to see some other people out at that early hour. Um, but, um, you know, you can go right back to that moment. I was telling Frank earlier during his program that in some ways, of course, those attacks seem so many years ago. And in some ways, it feels like it happened just yesterday. And of course, for the families who lost loved ones on that day, some of them will gather at the World Trade Center Memorial downtown today. During the ceremony, of course, the names of the nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, of course, for the bell tolls. And the music as part of the ceremony has been done every year since the 9-11 attacks. For the first time this year, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade after the ceremony to recognize the people who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses tied to the aftermath of the attacks, which is just heart-wrenching. You have um, a bunch of families who still say they really don't have answers of what took place and who to blame for the 9-11 attacks. One of them is Brett Eagleson. Uh, Brett Eagleson's father was killed in the World Trade Center. And he doesn't feel victim families members have all the details on who's responsible for the attacks. And he wants to know. It's been 22 years, and it's shameful that we have yet to have an administration or a president that has had the courage to hold the kingdom of Saudi Arabia accountable for what they did. Saudi Arabia denies, of course, involvement in 9-11. Meanwhile, family members are frustrated that the confessed mastermind of the 2001 terror attacks and four other defendants have not yet had a trial. It's been 22 years, and we have 
members of our community that are dying, unfortunately. Parents that lost children that day, some of them are dying, some of them are sick, and they're not seeing justice. They're not having closure. Jean uh, Coleo, she's from Manhasset. She lost her two brothers in the World Trade Center and is irritated that the self-proclaimed 9-11 mastermind still has not stood trial. It has been 22 years, and the 9-11 families have not had any justice. And we have not had our day in court. And it doesn't, unfortunately, look like it's going to come anytime soon. This day, of course, being used for a lot of good, a lot of great activities go on. People uh, volunteer in their communities. You had uh, James Brosey. He's president of the Uniform Fire of Officers Association. He lost his brave father uh, in this year from 9-11 related cancers, which is uh, unfortunately still happening. Between me, my brother and my father, we've almost we've been serving the fire department in the city of New York for almost 100 years. Uh, my brother was also in the collapse at the time. Uh, he has some other debilitating uh, side effects from that exposure as well. Yeah, the number is just so upsetting. So 343 firefighters died when the Twin Towers collapsed on 9-11. In the year since, 341 members of the FDNY have succumbed to ground zero related illnesses. These are the people who toiled on the uh, pile at ground zero after the 9-11 attacks. Unfortunately, the exposure of that day and the days that followed during the rescue and recovery efforts have really started to take its toll. And it's not just the firefighters. It was people who lived and worked downtown. So 85% of first responders have enrolled in the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund, but only 10% of civilians have signed up. Dana Nelson, she was a ninth grader at Stuyvesant High, which is in lower Manhattan on 9-11. And she says she could never imagine that she'd be diagnosed with breast cancer now at the age of 33. Please enroll if you were down there. Please get checked out. If anything feels funky, don't wait. A lot of us are going to wind up in the fight for our lives at this point. It's really important that everyone takes it seriously. Yeah, she is taking it seriously, and she is. It says does say it's a wake-up call. So many of my high school friends who have covered conditions and maybe felt guilty before have started enrolling because we realize now that, you know, just because it doesn't feel that serious now doesn't mean that it won't be serious later. John Mormondo worked downtown at the time of the attacks, was later diagnosed with male breast cancer, skin cancer. Mormondo says now it's his mission to educate people who work downtown to sign up for this fund just in case. There's $10 billion out there. It's not gonna, it's not, you're not taking it away from somebody else. If you can use that, then do it. So a lot of people didn't know, like, like myself. I didn't know there were people coming down with cancers from 9-11. You know, so I want to make people very aware that it's out there. Yeah, so not too late to sign up for that fund. The uh, fire union is using this day to renew its uh, call to bolster financial support for the World Trade Center health program. 22 years ago, the loss of 343 firefighters was an unimaginable number. And sadly, the day we passed that milestone is quickly approaching. Westchester and so many other towns across the tri-state gearing up to host the annual day of service. They actually start this a couple days before 9-11 where you can do good on 9-11. We all experienced what September 11, 2001 was like and uh, what impact it had here in Westchester County. People that we knew that were involved uh, that tragic day and those that have been involved after that tragic day. 
County Executive George Latimer there saying the community-wide event already underway. Uh, volunteer opportunities include working on food insecurity, park beautification, along with a blood drive. Out of a dark moment comes a bright moment, and that bright moment comes from Volunteer New York and uh, all of the efforts that they've made uh, over the last 13 years to take this day of great tragedy and try to turn it into a day of public service. Yeah, that's a good thing. And uh, in the process... Uh, Two more victims of the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center positively ID'd by the city's medical examiner's office at the end of last week. The man and woman were the 1,648th and 1,649th person to be identified since September 2001. So they're still working on this. Their names are being withheld at the request of their families. Now, all day long... We'll be celebrating the lives of those who were lost on 9-11 and hearing your stories as well. So keep it here, 77 WABC, all day long on this 9-11. WABC News Time 510. It was a mess at the airports yesterday. All this rain, stormy weather causing headaches at the tri-state area airports. Uh, one guy uh, coming into JFK last night from Belgium was trying to make a flight to Salt Lake City. Got here, realized that all of them had been canceled. Something is going very wrong here. I have no baggage. Because they first they uh, they told me it's, uh, it's stuck at Brussels. Now they say it's stuck at Customs. But I don't know where my bag is. The travelers for work, uh, if it was for a holiday, day with my wife, we would be very frustrated. Yeah, I bet. So uh, lots of people waiting online to get luggage that did not arrive. Other people waiting for flights that did not take off. Uh, we're looking at the numbers this morning. Not as bad as it was yesterday. I'm just drained, but um, I'm trying to stay positive, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. An extra day off. Um, so I have to move some meetings around, but it's what it is. So the airlines will try to play catch up for all those cancellations yesterday. 511. The death toll continues to climb after that powerful earthquake that hit Morocco Friday. More than 2,000 dead, but they expect that number will go a whole lot higher after that 6.8 magnitude quake shook the North African country. It's rudimentary materials in Morocco, but the buildings, in especially in the mountains and in the rural areas, they aren't nearly as high. Uh, now, how that plays out in terms of the devastation, in terms of the death toll and the injury toll, we're going to have to wait and see. That's correspondent Matt Bradley. Search and rescue operations well underway, but so much of the earthquake zone is in this mountainous area that's just tough to get to. President Biden, Vietnam yesterday, he was in Vietnam, said he was saddened to see the loss uh, in Morocco. We're working expeditiously to ensure American citizens in Morocco are safe, standing ready to provide any necessary assistance to the Moroccan people. Offers of assistance have just been pouring in from all over the world. My administration, including Secretary of State Blinken, who's here with me today, is working with Moroccan officials. Sandra Ukam says uh, she has relatives in Morocco, says she was unable to reach them for about a dozen hours after the quake. Obviously, I was upset. From here, from Pennsylvania, I mean, there's honestly nothing that can be done. But uh, the good news for her is she found out her family is safe. Uh, lots of people in the area still trying to get in touch with their families in the tri-state area, of course, wishing them the best luck and that their families are okay. 513. President Biden holding a press conference in Vietnam where he was yesterday says he wants China to prosper as long as the government follows the rules. One of the things that is going on now is China's beginning to change some of the rules of the game. 
in terms of trade and other issues. The president says China's economy is struggling. He says he hopes to meet with President Xi sometime soon. Xi has some, uh, some difficulties right now. I want to see China succeed economically. I don't want to see him succeed by the rules. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Antony Blinken going on the news shows yesterday says Russian President Vladimir Putin has already lost in Ukraine. He was trying to erase Ukraine from the map and its independence, subsume it into Russia. That has already been a failure. Yeah, he says that Putin has shown no interest in any meaningful diplomacy in trying to end this war. If he does, I think the Ukrainians will be the first to engage and we'll be right behind them. WABC News Time 513. The Russian arms dealer traded for WNBA star Brittany Griner in that controversial prisoner swap, speaking out for the first time. Victor Boot, long known as the Merchant of Death, granted an exclusive interview to ESPN where he addressed the deal that freed him from a U.S. prison. He said that while behind bars in a medium security facility in Illinois, he was able to follow Griner's case in the news. Boot said the outraged people felt about her incarceration in Moscow on a drug charge was similar to the outrage many Russians felt about his sentence in the U.S. He said he felt sorry for Griner, suggesting she'd been used as a pawn by politicians and noted that they passed each other on the tarmac on their way home. The two shook hands and he wished her good luck. I'm Jim Forbes. Yeah, we actually have more information out of him than we did out of Brittany Griner. Did you know that? I didn't know the two actually saw each other on the tarmac and shook hands. That's sort of an amazing story. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Noam Layden. It was uh, not the start that Giants fans wanted in the slightest. <laughs> That's saying it mildly. Well, yeah. I mean, my <laughs> goodness gracious, there was just no shot whatsoever they had from the get-go. Um, with the G-Men, they got embarrassed by a score of 40 to nothing in their week one matchup. At home against the division rival Dallas Cowboys, Dallas forced three turnovers and sacked Daniel Jones seven times in shutting down New York's supposedly improved offense and beating the Giants for the fifth straight time in 12th and 13 meetings. The shutout loss was the largest ever between the two teams and leaves Giants fans wondering there. This is what they should expect out of their Giants all year. Head coach Brian Dable had this to say following the loss last night. Uh, obviously a, a tough loss, a disappointing loss. Yeah, obviously. Um, you know, got beat all the way around from coaching to playing. I accept that. Uh, got a lot to learn from, a lot to work on, and that's what we'll do. Um, uh, no excuses. Uh, give credit to, to Dallas. Um, they just did everything better than we did tonight. So, yeah, not the week one that Giants fans no. were looking for, but uh, they'll The work. Giants did do me one thing right by losing 40 to nothing is that I was at the game last night, uh-huh. and I thought I'm going to get no sleep, but I got a lot of sleep because yeah. I, I left in the early third quarter. I was like, might as well go home and get a night's sleep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> after the first quarter, you had a pretty clear indication <laughs> right. of how, how this one would go. So uh, they'll work on it and uh, hopefully rebound next week. Hopefully the Jets will fare a little better tonight. In Aaron Rodgers' debut under center for Gang Green, they get the division rival Buffalo Bills for their season opener, set for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff tonight at MetLife Stadium. The Jets are currently two-point underdogs going in. On the diamond, the Yankees got no hit through 10 innings last night before miraculously pulling out a 4-3 walk-off victory at home against the Milwaukee Brewers thanks to a Kyle Higashioka game-winning double in the 13th. After falling in the first two over the weekend against Milwaukee, the Yanks are able to salvage the finale before heading to Boston tonight to open a four-game set against the Red Sox. First pitch for tonight's Game 1 is scheduled for 7-10 p.m. with Clark Schmidt scheduled to take the mound for New York. As for the Mets, D.J. Stewart had a two-run double in the ninth inning, and New York overcame a career-high 14 strikeouts by Minnesota starter Pablo Lopez 
to beat the Minnesota Twins 2 to nothing on a Sunday and avoid a three-game sweep themselves. They'll try and keep it going tonight when they stick it home to welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks for a four-game series. Tonight's first pitch set for 7-10 p.m. with Jose Quintana scheduled to get the start for the Mets. And finally, to tennis's U.S. Open in Queens Saturday, saw American Coco Golf take down soon-to-be world number one arena Sabalenka in three sets to claim her first Grand Slam title. And yesterday, in the men's final, Novak Djokovic defeated Daniil Medvedev to claim a historic 24th major championship, the most for any player in the Open era. No, that's sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Owen. WABC News Time 519. There are about 400 local, state, and federal law enforcement agents now involved in the search for that escaped killer in Pennsylvania. Danilo Cavalcante scaled a wall, broke out of the Chester County prison back on August 31st. Correspondent George Solis reports he was recently spotted on a trail camera at a popular botanical garden. The boundaries of the search closing in around Longwood Gardens, which is now shut down indefinitely. Within the gardens, fruits and vegetables being grown, possibly a source of sustenance to a man on the run with few resources at his disposal. So the 34-year-old who's from Brazil, sentenced to life in prison the week before his escape, he was convicted of first-degree murder and the brutal stabbing of his ex-girlfriend. The garden's website describes their grounds as 200 acres of lush, formal gardens, open meadows, and winding paths. So Pennsylvania State Police believe... Uh, he's within the state and maybe still within Chester County. Cavalcante is considered extremely dangerous, and there is a reward of up to $20,000 offered for information leading to his capture. This is what they know. He escaped in a white van, reportedly stolen, and then he abandoned it uh, in East Nant Mill Township, which is about 40 miles west of Philadelphia. Doorbell security video shows Cavalcante is now clean-shaven, wearing a light green hoodie. PSP was made aware of a sighting of Cavalcante in the East Pikeland area of Chester County. After an extensive search, the vehicle was discovered abandoned in a field behind a barn in East Nantmeal Township. Cavalcante is now clean-shaven and wearing a bright green hooded sweatshirt. But as of 521 this morning, they still have not caught up with him. The man who spent nearly two decades as the nation's top infectious disease expert says a repeat of 2020 is unlikely despite a recent uptick in COVID cases. The chances of this being an overwhelming rush of cases and hospitalizations is probably low. You haven't heard that voice in a while. Dr. Anthony Fauci says he doesn't expect a federal mandate to wear masks again. Fauci did say there could be recommendations by government agencies to wear masks if there is a significant uptick now that people are back at work, back at school. None of us in the public health field are predicting that this is going to be a tsunami of hospitalizations and deaths the way we saw a year or more ago. If we get a significant uptick in cases that you may see the recommendation that masks be used under certain circumstances and indoor crowded settings. Fauci speaking out as a new round of COVID boosters could be available in just a matter of days. The CDC's independent panel of advisors is set to meet to recommend who will be eligible for the shots. Meanwhile, the FDA is also likely to approve the shots, which aim to protect against severe disease and death from the currently circulating variants. The expected rollout comes as the nation has seen a recent uptick in COVID infections. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 520. A Republican congressman urging his fellow party members to be cautious when considering an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. I don't believe they've even remotely completed their work 
on the kind of detailed investigations and quality work that uh, Speaker McCarthy is expecting both those committees to produce. That's Arkansas Congressman French Hill says the investigations into Biden's business dealings involving the family are not close to being complete. He cautioned House Speaker Kevin McCarthy not to repeat the mistakes he believes former Speaker Nancy Pelosi made in pursuing then-President Trump's two impeachments. We don't want to repeat the mistakes we think that Nancy Pelosi made by prematurely moving to impeachment during the Trump administration. You know, of course, you'll remember Senate Republicans acquitted Trump on both occasions. Former President Trump headlining a rally in South Dakota over the weekend with the state's governor, Kristi Noem, by his side. I want to thank one of the most successful governors in the entire nation, an incredible person, South Dakota's own Kristi Noem. Thank you, Kristi. Trump's appearance in South Dakota fueling speculation that Governor Nome could become Trump's vice presidential pick if he wins the GOP nomination. He is the leader, the fighter that our country needs. He has my full and complete endorsement for president of the United States of America. I will do everything I can to help him win and save this country. Yeah, it might be a little too early to pick a presidential running mate. That is, we're on the campaign trail, a GOP presidential hopeful criticizing a Republican senator for his actions. Uh, it was former U.N. ambassador, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. He says Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is wrong to put holds on U.S. military promotions. If you love our military, if you are so adamant about it, then go and make Congress. Republicans and Democrats have to go through person by person. Tuberville has put holds on more than 300 officers in uh, protest of the government allowing paid leave and reimbursement for travel for military members who want to get an abortion. Now, Haley says she's against the reimbursement policies, but she disagrees using military families as political pawns. Department of Defense never should have done this. I disagree with it and I'll put an end to it as president. The military members and families, they sacrifice enough. They don't need to be a pawn in Congress. And then you have the Democrats speaking now. Vice President Kamala Harris says the attacks on her by GOP presidential candidates are nothing new. They're scared that we will win based on the merit of the work that Joe Biden and I and our administration has done. And the vice president responding to concerns again of President Biden's age and claims she would be worse than Biden. The vice president says she's listened to the attacks against her throughout her career. Yes, I am, if necessary. But Joe Biden is going to be fine. Yeah, she says she's ready to take office if it happens. I was the first woman elected district attorney of, a, of San Francisco, a major city in this country, and reelected. 525. Actor couple Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis apologizing after writing letters of support for a former co-star. Former cast member from That 70s Show, Danny Masterson, was found guilty of two counts of forcible rape in May. Last Thursday, Masterson was sentenced to 30 years in prison. The actor couple posted a video apologizing for character letters they wrote to the judge defending Masterson. Danny's family reached out to us and they asked us, to write character letters, to represent the person that we knew for 25 years. They also apologize to anyone who was hurt by their actions. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 526. Many Americans with student loans are not having any luck calling their loan servicers to restart their payments. Some popular servicer websites have been down over the past week with callers complaining they spent hours on hold without getting any answers. Interest on those loans began accruing again on September 1st.
I'm Julie Ryan. The opening bell rings this morning after Wall Street capped a losing week on Friday. Renewed fears that the Federal Reserve may hike interest rates more than expected kept many investors on the sidelines. At the closing bell on Friday, the Dow gained 75 points. S&P 500 added six. NASDAQ rose by 12 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, September 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Showers, thunderstorms likely today, the high 80. Tonight and overnight, pop-up thunderstorms, low 69. And then Tuesday, sun clouds. Could see a stray shower, though. High 83. If you're walking out the door with us, so happy you are. 72 and cloudy in Southampton, out on Long Island. 69 and raining in Freehold down in New Jersey. And it is 71 and cloudy. Oh, no, I'll check that. 71 and light rain here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour here in Midtown, where Giant fans started the night last night before the clock hit 820 on the first night of the season, feeling incredibly optimistic that the team would have a good season. The Super Bowl, the ring, right here. This season's going to be incredible. We're going to push for the playoffs, but you know, (laughs) uh, it might be next year, not this year. To be able to make the playoffs, but it's going to be tough games. Yeah, so uh, if you didn't watch, you fell asleep before last night's game ended. Uh, It was not pretty. The Giants' first season opener hosting the Cowboys at the stadium met life. They lost 40 to nothing. Let's hope better news for the Jets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, starting the season against the Buffalo Bills. Tonight we'll keep our fingers crossed. But there were a couple fans in there who said maybe this is not going to be this season, so they saw something maybe I didn't. I was a whole lot more hopeful when I was watching the game last night. Those were some really vicious thunderstorms over the weekend. No matter where you were across the tri-state, there were lightning strikes, heavy-duty rain last night during that football game in Bogota. In New Jersey, lightning struck a house that set it on fire. Yeah, at first we thought it was like two cars that hit, but it was actually the lightning that did. Wow, struck it was that loud. It was really loud. We were holding the cat in my arms, and all of a sudden the explosion went. The cat jumped, scratched me, took off. And it, you knew it hit. You know that a lightning struck. Police had to rescue a man in a wheelchair and his dog from the basement of that house that caught fire. The house is probably not in livable condition, but thank God they were able to get him out. It looked like like if there was fire, um, fireworks everywhere, like, you know, if they were exploding fireworks inside the house. So it was actually pretty scary. It's Mother Nature. It's, it's an unfortunate incident. You know, we never want to see anyone lose their house, obviously. Um, we're just glad that no one's suffered any major injuries. Yeah, that's the good news. Limbs, leaves, whole trees, littering sidewalks. Even this morning, a new round of that after Friday and Saturday storms, uh, mostly in North Jersey. But we also saw it up in Westchester and Long Island as well. Neighbors talking about how intense those lightning strikes were. The lightning hit the tree. It came down and landed in front almost on top of my house. Giant hole in the ceiling and there's water dripping down. And I look outside, there's a tree on the car, and the entire thing just cracked down the middle. So it'll be another day of cleanup, especially in northern New Jersey. That seems to have been hit much harder than everywhere else. 535, 
a community out on Long Island praying for a teenager who's in critical condition after a crash. A Suffolk County police officer racing to a scene hit this kid as he was crossing the street on his bike. The uh, tight-knit community of Shirley coming out to pray for Anthony Stinson. His mom actually heard the crash and raced outside to find him on the ground. And when I found him, I found him about 20 feet from where the impact. So at his home, his friends holding out hope and trying to support his mom. Yeah, he was like really funny, always trying to make us laugh and like he cared about everyone. I'm praying for him, hoping that he makes through and like a miracle happens. He's just 13 years old. Police, of course, investigating how and why that officer ran into him. As she tried to avoid him, she hit three other cars. It was just not, it was an ugly scene. I'm very proud of Anthony. I'm very proud of his achievements. That's his mom again. He's now fighting for his life after being hit by that cruiser. Detectives now trying to figure out exactly what took place in the moments before that accident. Let's go up to the Bronx 536. A robber who was armed with a large kitchen knife shot dead by cops at a Bronx 7-Eleven over the weekend. Police say the robber walked into the 7-Eleven in Throg's Neck. A worker saw something weird was going on, so they raced out to a police precinct that's just a block away to tell cops what was going on. When police raced into that 7-Eleven and told this man to drop his knife, he started walking towards them. There were customers in the store. I just thought there was some confrontation. I got my slushy. I walked out, and that was it. I, the next thing I know, I'm on. I'm coming up Tremont. They said somebody just got shot. Yeah, police officers uh, a couple of times demanded this guy drop his knife as he was walking towards them. They say he did not, and that's when they opened fire, shot him. He died a short time later. A woman who works at the 7-Eleven was just coming back from vacation. I work here. I just came back from vacation. Um, yeah, I wanted to throw up. Yeah, I bet you did. WABC News Time 539, Curtis Lewa, our own Curtis Lewa, busy over the weekend holding another protest, this time outside the Creedmoor Psychiatric Facility in Queens. Neighbors there angry that that migrant encampment for a thousand men has been set up there. Absolutely a disgrace, okay? So we're going to be here until this is taken down. I am immigrant too, but I came legally. And it took me 15 years. And it's not fair. Some parents say they showed up at this protest because the migrant encampment is way too close to an elementary school. I'm here because I pick up my children from the school and I have to step over migrants squatting in front of the school. I really appreciate if you push them, bring them away from the school. Curtis leading the protest. He said if lawmakers don't stop the flow of migrants into the city, he says the people will. We're going to bring in the tractor trailers. We're going to block the bridges. This is a war for the soul of our country, our state and our city. We the people are fighting this because our politicians have forsaken us. Curtis no doubt will have more to say about that when he joins Sid on Sid and Friends in the morning at 7.05 this morning. That uh, rally taking place as we're hearing that major cuts could be coming to agencies across the city, all because we have to pay for this migrant crisis. Mayor Adams says uh, it's to help pay for this migrant crisis. Police, fire, sanitation, schools all at risk to cuts. The mayor announcing over the weekend that he's directly
directing city departments to prepare to slash 5% in spending by November, with an additional 10% possible by early next year. He says potential cuts will not include layoffs, but he says they still will hurt. Everything is on the table now. We can still avoid these cuts if Washington and Albany do their part by paying their fair share. So far, they have not stepped up to do that in any major way anyway. So far, about 110,000 migrants have arrived in the city, continues to receive about 10,000 a month. This comes at a time of reduced revenue growth and COVID funding running out. So it's just bad timing to have to foot these bills. The city estimates the influx of migrants will cost $12 billion over the next three years. City Councilman David Carr says we can't afford that. We can't have this open-ended commitment to sheltering migrants and all of the other care that we give them when they arrive because the city just can't support it. Mayor Adams says his administration will seek to minimize disruption to programs and services. He says there won't be any layoffs, but he says sorting that out is not going to be easy, especially if the feds and the state don't come to the rescue. 542, New York City cracking down now on unregulated lithium-ion batteries when a new law takes effect come next weekend. Local Law 39 will ban the sale of e-bikes and their batteries if they're not certified and in compliance with national safety standards. Here's FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh. We need the public to heed our warnings and please use these devices as directed. Cavanaugh says every level of government is working to regulate lithium-ion batteries, which have become one of the leading causes of fire-related deaths in New York City this year. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. WABC News Time 542. Governor Hochul expected to sign a bill creating a notification system for 9-11 first responders and survivors who are eligible for benefit programs. Years after responding to September 11th, retired FDNY Deputy Chief Richard Ollies has made it his life work to ensure people are enrolled in the World Trade Center Health Program and Victims Compensation Fund. I took an oath of office and I signed on to the dangers of, of, of my job. But, you know, people... People that lived and worked in the downtown area, they didn't sign on for that. If only 10% of civilians enrolled, advocates say they don't think they're eligible for compensation. The 9-11 Notification Act would require employers located downtown to send letters to people who worked for them at the time of the attacks to tell them they are eligible for these programs. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Governor Hochul asking that customers of Charter Spectrum get refunds during the cable company's dispute with Disney. She says New York can Consumers are missing some of the biggest sporting events of the year, including the U.S. Open over the weekend. Uh, tonight, I guess, the Jet-Bills game on Monday Night Football. More than 1.5 million cable viewers in New York State lost access to ESPN and other Disney-owned channels back on August 31st. Uh, because of this dispute between the cable company Charter Spectrum and uh, Channel 7 and the Disney products. 544. More than 100 Turkish rescuers have begun the effort to free that New Jersey scientist, Mark Dickey, who's trapped in a cave more than 3,000 feet down. Now, he's actually more than half the way up, which is the good news. The 40-year-old veteran cave diver experienced severe gastrointestinal bleeding on Saturday while working on a caving expedition in southern Turkey. The medical emergency leaving him unable to eat and partially unconscious for three days until two doctors were able to give him desperately needed blood transfusions. That's correspondent Matt Bradley. Now, this is an amazing story. So these Turkish rescuers have gone into this cave. First, they went down there to help uh, the Mark Dickey, given the medical supplies that he needed. He was spitting up blood. It was just an ugly, ugly scene. 
And now uh, he can't walk out on his own, so they need to take him out on a stretcher. But the crevices that he walked through to get down there are so small, a stretcher won't fit through. So what they've been doing is they have two teams. One is a team of doctors with the stretcher. The other is a team with explosives. And they're exploding parts of the cave so the stretcher can fit through. And then they bring him up and get him through and go to the next spot. So... As of this morning, he's about halfway up to the surface, thanks to these Turkish rescuers who are doing an incredible job. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, No Maladen. Wasn't the start Giants fans wanted in the slightest last night. The G-Men getting embarrassed by a score 40 to nothing in their week one matchup at home against the division rival Dallas Cowboys. Dallas forced three turnovers and sacked Daniel Jones seven times in shutting down New York's supposedly improved offense and beating the Giants for the fifth straight time and 12th in 13 meetings. The shutout loss was the largest ever between the two teams and leaves the Giants, or leaves Giants fans, I should say, wondering if this is what they should expect out of their Giants all year. Head coach Brian Dable had this to say following the loss last night. Uh, obviously a, a tough loss, a disappointing loss. Um, you know, got beat all the way around from coaching to playing. I accept that. Uh, got a lot to learn from, a lot to work on, and that's what we'll do. Um, uh, no excuses. Uh, give credit to, to Dallas. Um, they just did everything better than we did tonight. Hopefully the Jets will fare a little better tonight in Aaron Rodgers' debut under center for Gang Green. They get the division rival Buffalo Bills for their season opener. Set for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff tonight at MetLife Stadium. The Jets are currently two-point underdogs going in. On the diamond, the Yankees got no hit through 10 innings last night before miraculously pulling out a 4-3 walk-off victory at home against the Milwaukee Brewers thanks to a Kyle Higashioka game-winning double in the 13th. After falling in the first two over the weekend against Milwaukee, the Yanks are able to salvage a finale before heading to Boston tonight. To open a four-game set against the Red Sox, first pitch for tonight's Game 1 is scheduled for 7.10 p.m. with Clark Schmidt scheduled to take the mound for New York. As for the Mets, D.J. Stewart hit a two-run double in the ninth inning, and New York overcame a career-high 14 strikeouts by Minnesota starter Pablo Lopez to beat the Twins 2-0 on Sunday, or yesterday, I should say, and avoid a three-game sweep themselves. They'll try and keep it going tonight when they stick at home to welcome into the Arizona Diamondbacks for a four-game set. Tonight's first pitch is set for 7-10 with Jose Quintana scheduled to get the start for the Mets. And finally, to tennis is U.S. Open in Queens. We do have two champions here to report. Saturday saw American Coco Golf take down soon-to-be world number one Arena Sabalenka in three sets to claim her first Grand Slam title. And yesterday in the She was at the game, actually, last night. Was she really? Yeah, I saw her. Oh, how about that? Uh, uh, What a way to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. To the tune of a 40 to nothing shutout in the rain. And $3 million in her pocket. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, granted. There you go. I guess that makes it a little bit sweeter, if you will. (laughs) So she wins, and then on the men's side, uh, Novak Djokovic uh, defeated Daniil Medvedev to claim a historic 24th major championship, the most now for any player in the Open era. Sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Alec. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Of course, it is the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, families who lost loved ones in the attacks will be gathering at the World Trade Center Memorial this morning. During a ceremony, names of the nearly 3,000 victims killed will be read aloud. There will be moments of silence, bell tolls, and music as part of the ceremony. For the first time this year, though, there will be a tribute at the Memorial Glade 
after the ceremony to recognize people who have died from and are still experiencing illnesses tied to the aftermath of the attacks. Brett Eagleson's father was killed in the World Trade Center, and he doesn't feel victims' family members have all the details as to who's responsible for the attack some 22 years later. It's been 22 years, and it's shameful that we have yet to have an administration or a president that has had the courage to hold the kingdom of Saudi Arabia accountable for what they did. Saudi Arabia denies involvement in 9-11. Meanwhile, family members are also frustrated that the confessed mastermind of the 2001 terror attacks and four other defendants have not gone to trial. It's been 22 years and we have members of our community that are dying, unfortunately. Parents that lost children that day, some of them are dying, some of them are sick, and they're not seeing justice. They're not having closure. Jean Coileo of Manhasset lost her two brothers in the World Trade Center. Is irritated, too, that the self-proclaimed 9-11 mastermind hasn't gone to trial. It has been 22 years, and the 9-11 families have not had any justice and we have not had our day in court. And what's a heartache all these years later is that there's still people dying from 9-11 related cancers. James Brosey, he's president of the Uniform Fire Officers Association. He lost his brave father, Lieutenant Joseph Brosey, this year from 9-11 related cancer. Between me, my brother and my father, we've almost we've been serving the fire department in the city of New York for almost 100 years. Uh, my brother was also in the collapse at the time. Uh, he has some other debilitating uh, side effects from that exposure as well. Three hundred and 43 firefighters died on 9-11 when the Twin Towers collapsed. In the year since, 341 members of the FDNY have succumbed to ground zero related illnesses. Unfortunately, the exposure of that day and the days that followed during the rescue and recovery efforts have really started to take its toll. And there's so much talk about this compensation fund. So 85% of first responders have enrolled in the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund, but only 10% of civilians have signed up. And Dana Nelson, one of the people who says if you lived or worked down there, says you should. She was a ninth grader at Stuyvesant High on 9-11, which was down in lower Manhattan, and never could imagine that she'd be diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33. Please enroll if you were down there. Please get checked out. If anything feels funky, don't wait. A lot of us are going to wind up in the fight for our lives at this point. It's really important that everyone takes it seriously. So many of my high school friends who have covered conditions and maybe felt guilty before have started enrolling because we realize now that, you know, just because it doesn't feel that serious now doesn't mean that it won't be serious later. She was a student in high school. John Mormondo worked downtown at the time of the attacks, later diagnosed with male breast cancer, skin cancer. He says it's his mission to educate people who work downtown during that time about the health risks. There's $10 billion out there. It's not going to, it's not, you're not taking it away from somebody else. If you can use that, then do it. So a lot of people didn't know, like like myself. I didn't know there were people coming down with cancers from 9-11. You know, so I want to make people very aware that it's out there. City's fire union using this day to renew calls to bolster financial support for the World Trade Center health program. 22 years ago, the loss of 343 firefighters was an unimaginable number. And sadly, the day we passed that milestone, is quickly approaching. Uniform Firefighters Association President Andrew Ansbrough there says the total number of firefighters uh, who died due to 9-11 related illnesses since the attack is now, as I said, most almost equal to those who died on 9-11. And um, if there's anything nice that can come out of this is the great activities and volunteer programs that happen on this day. Westchester County has been doing this for 13 years now 
as a day of service uh, to give back to the communities 22 years later? We all experienced what September 11, 2001 was like and uh, what impact it had here in Westchester County, people that we knew that were involved uh, that tragic day and those that have been involved after that tragic day. That's County Executive George Latimer says the community-wide event has been underway for a number of days now. It includes uh, food insecurity, park beautification. They also do a blood drive with the New York Blood Center. Out of a dark moment comes a bright moment, and that bright moment comes from Volunteer New York, and uh, all of the efforts that they've made uh, over the last 13 years to take this day of great tragedy and try to turn it into a day of public service. Yeah, good for them and good for George Latterman there in Westchester County. Of course, keep it here. All day long, 77 WABC as we pay tribute to those lives lost on 9-11 22 years later. WABC News Time 555. Wineries in East Long Island are gearing up to defend their vines from an invasive species. Sightings of the spotted lanternfly have been reported as far east as Montauk. Experts told News 12 that the insects could destroy acres of crops. The problems that it poses for agriculture are primarily uh, concern for vineyards because we've known it can kill grapevines. The flies target the sap in the grapevines and essentially kill the plant. Scientists say that spotted lantern flies often lay eggs on vehicles, which is one way they can travel from one area to another. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Love stamping out those bugs when I see them out and about. While we're out on Long Island, Kumo Japanese Steakhouse in Stony Brook cited for 15 violations after dozens of people got sick from eating rice at the restaurant on Saturday. Ariel Arias, she's the mother of one of the victims. She had thrown a party for her daughter, her 13th birthday, and she invited all of her friends, the 13-year-old's friends, and they all became violently ill after eating the restaurant. Not a whole lot of fun. It started out great. We got a cake, the balloons, you know, the girls were having a great time. And then it took a turn for the worse. Yeah, you wouldn't think rice would do that, but apparently it does. One girl was projectile vomiting. That's nice. Um, I still didn't know, was this anxiety? And then I happened to look over and there was another girl projectile vomiting. It was a horrific feeling. Oh, I thought this was going to be a joyous thing. And it turned out to be them all in the hospital together for the night. Yeah, so the good news is everybody's going to be okay. But 28 people in all reported getting sick from eating at this restaurant over the weekend. I'm extremely angry with the business. We all go out to eat all the time. We never think that we're going to go somewhere and the food's going to be contaminated. Yeah, so out of the 15 violations issued against Kumo Japanese Steakhouse, eight were for risk factors for foodborne illness. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.